Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Finding Dad Bod, where my dad, Coach Alex Van Houten, puts his 14 years of experience to work for you. You should listen to him. He's pretty beast mode. Who knows who we could be if we could become 1% better every single day. What's up, guys? This is Alex Van Houten with Defunding Dad Bod. I hope you're doing super well. You're listening to Season 3, Episode 36 of Defining Dad Bod, where we're talking about leveling up. This episode's been brought to you by the Better Daily app. Work hard to become 1% better every single day, but don't do it alone. Our community just launched our new app for Apple devices and Android devices, and we think you're going to love it. Go to definingdadbod.com slash betterdaily and type in coupon code DADBOD, all caps, to save 25% on your subscription. That's definingdadbod.com slash betterdaily. This is a quirky conversation compared to many that we have here on Defining Dadbod. Just saying a lot, because as a host, I'm pretty quirky. But this one may take the cake. In this conversation, I had the opportunity to catch up with Eric Sue. He's the CEO of a content intelligence software called ClickFlow. And he also owns an ad agency called SingleGrain, in which he's worked with companies like Amazon, Airbnb, and Salesforce, But what was very interesting to me was his recent dipping of the toe in the water, so to speak, of writing a book. His book's called Leveling Up, Winning at the Game of Life. And it comes from his long background of being a gamer in his adolescent and young adult years. And in this conversation, we got to talk about some specific topics. The book was a lot of fun to read for somebody who has a history in gaming. But playing games is not the primary topic of this conversation you'll hear today. Instead, we walk through several of the themes that come out of the gaming world that can be directly applied to business, life, relationships, and health. Again, I told you it's a quirky conversation. I sincerely enjoyed it, and I hope you find something valuable in it for yourself. And if you don't find something valuable in it for yourself, share this conversation with a gamer that you love. They'll know what we're talking about. But before we get there, here's your food for thought. My food for thought for you today comes from Jordan Peterson's new book, 12 More Rules for Life, Beyond Order. It's on the New York Times bestseller list, and have very much been looking forward to this, not only because of how much I enjoyed the first book, which I actually did a piece on this show over two years ago, covering the relevance to health and fitness, and you can find that link in the show notes below. But in rule one of his new book, he spent some time talking about the dangers of rigid structures without creative innovation. And while he's more interested in the psychological and maybe even the political aspect of that particular rule, I find this is a very commonly applicable theme 
and folks that I work with in health and fitness. Oftentimes when people hire me as their coach to look at their nutrition and to look at their lifestyle, they've been around the block enough to know that there's not going to be one tiny little thing that needs to be shifted in order to achieve betterment in their lives. Instead, they understand that they're caught in a loop, that they wake up, they eat about the same things, they go to work and do about the same things, they exercise or don't exercise, then they go to sleep and they do it again. And they realize that their current health and fitness is a reflection of the trajectory of the way things have gone for a period of time. For me, when I approach a new client and I get a sense of their story and where they're at and what they're hoping to see change in themselves, I often work to visualize not only the path behind them, but the path before them and the obstacles that are currently standing in their way that keep them from stepping forward. In his first chapter, Dr. Peterson's working really hard to bring two conflicting ideas together. One, the importance of rules in order to keep things moving smoothly and in a good direction. And two, the importance of breaking those rules and destroying the order so that future progress doesn't get stuck in the loop of the past. It's a tough question. And from a health and fitness perspective, I'd like to highlight the answer, which is fostering the creativity to try new things while also having respect for the things that have brought you to this point currently. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, it's very possible that you've done certain things in a very particular way in your life that has served you well, like brushing your teeth before you go to bed. I don't suggest stopping that anytime soon because cavities suck and dental work is expensive. But it's also possible that some of those habits, like having six cups of coffee before lunchtime, are not serving you very well. And it's going to require some creative flair, or at least the willingness to try something new in order to decrease the caffeine intake in your life and lower the amount of stress your internal system's under. Maybe it's time to try some green tea. Maybe you need to take a break from coffee altogether. Or maybe a different habit, other than going to the coffee maker first thing in the morning, needs to be developed in order for you not to rely on caffeine to make the day look a little brighter to you. My food for thought for you today is this. The devil's in your default. I challenge you to sit down and make a list of some of the things that you're doing right now that serve you very well. And then, on the opposite side of the paper, make a list of some of the things you know aren't serving you very well. Because on one side of the paper, you'll have a list of some of the rules in your life that are worth abiding by. Working out five days a week, getting some cardio in, going to bed at 9 p.m., taking your fish oil since you don't like Alex's sardine recommendations. And then on the other side of the paper, what you'll find are not only obstacles that might be standing in your way, but creative problems that might be worth solving. And you can get started on those things. I don't anticipate overhauling your entire life in one day, but I do believe that with an appreciation of your past and the things that have served you well, and then a conscious eye on the things that haven't been serving you well, then you'll have made the first step in your journey to being in a better place than you are at this moment. If you need somebody to share your list with, shoot me a message at CoachAl at DefiningDadBot.com. That's your food for thought today. I hope it gives you something to munch on. Now, without further ado, let's get to my conversation about leveling up with Eric Sue. What's up, guys? This is Alex Van Houten with Defining DadBot. I hope you're doing super well. I'm extremely excited to bring my guest, Eric Stew, to you today, guys. Eric, how are you today, brother? Doing well, Alex. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. We have so many cool things to talk about today. First of all, you have a new book out just launched two days ago as of this recording two days ago, and it's about video games. Actually, it's about more than that. But I want to talk to you today 
and introduce you to my listeners in a powerful way because in the health and fitness space, video games get a bad rap because you're sitting in front of a TV doing nothing. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. your book is like a, a giant collision in my mind between the seven habits of highly effective people and maybe some Stephen Covey stuff and maybe throw in a little bit of uh, motivational speech and business and marketing acumen and gaming, which for the average person would not make any sense at all unless you pick this thing up. So I'm so excited to talk about it with you today and some core concepts. The first thing I want to do is give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to my listeners. Tell us a little bit about your superhero origin story, because you've had quite the journey from gamer to investor. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, Alex, I mean, it's, um, you know, I, I like to say that I, I'm the ultimate failure or I was the ultimate failure growing up. So look, uh, couldn't get a, couldn't get a girlfriend for the longest time. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I almost got kicked out of high school because I didn't want to go to this one um, required class my senior year. It was around politics, I think. Um, and then I wanted to play World of Warcraft and poker in, in college. So my first year I had six withdrawals and one F. So I was almost, I was subject to dismissal. Wow. Um, and then I got fired from two jobs. What, what's interesting is yesterday, actually, so the guy that fired me, um, I got fired for trying to start a side hustle, which in, in retrospect, that was probably like, I, I actually don't regret getting fired for that one, but I've been fired twice. Let's just leave it at that. But that, that guy reached out to me yesterday. He's like, hey, I want to talk. I'm like, what do you want to talk about? Um, but, um, and so, you know, this whole, like going from ultimate failure to all the way up to investor, and by the way, I had to level up slowly, right? I had to go from, um, learning, you know, marketing, then I had to learn how to manage people. Then I had to, you know, I took over a failing business and I bought that company for $2 and, you know, was able to turn that around. Luckily, like I almost actually you know, tanked it completely. And then, you know, gradually now it's like, okay, the way I look at things is uh, how do I invest in other companies? How do I invest a majority share or, you know, buy the company outright, but there's levels to everything. And, um, you know, you can't really shortcut stuff. This is why you see, you know, when people win the lotto, they don't know how to maintain their money. Um, this is why you see a lot of pro athletes. They can't maintain their money after, you know, after they're done playing. So anyway, the final thing I'll say for, for right now around this is that I think the stigma is, is fair to, towards gaming. But, you know, when you think about training, when you're going to the gym um, and by the way, I work out every day, right? But when you're training, uh, if you overtrain, you can tear your ACL, you can blow out some muscles, right? Um, same thing in the world of, of gaming. I call it the shadow world, right? If you overtrain in that world, you can harm yourself because you're not thinking about the other stuff. You can become very unhealthy, your mental health. And so what I like to say is whether you're training in the world of gaming or, you know, in real life, you take that and you, you go impact other people with, with whatever, you know, um, what if, with whatever you learned and also the power-ups, the little endorphin rush you get after you train. So mm. And part of your journey, just for my listeners to understand, because, you know, they haven't read the book, part of your journey is not just the ultimate failure, as you like to say, <laughs> the, the turnaround comeback story, but in that failure realm, you were a competitive gamer. Am I right in saying that? You were like winning awards and beating competitions and doing things that people haven't done before within games. So it's not just like... I failed my semester in college. It's like I was winning in a different world, <laughs> but it hadn't translated to the real world yet. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's totally fair to say. And I, I didn't have the confidence. I didn't understand what I was actually learning at the time would actually prepare me for real life. So as an example, this isn't to brag, but back when I used to play games, we didn't have voice chat quite yet. Um, it was kind of in the very nascent stages. So we had to type really fast. So now, you know, I, I've carried this over. I can type at 144 words per minute at my high point. Uh, and so it's, but that all comes from gaming, right? So there's a lot that you, you know, resilience, you know, uh, teamwork, you know, uh, you know, being on time, right? All these different types 
types of things, doing your job, right? And so I, I would say, look, you know, yes, I certainly won championships. Uh, you know, I felt like I was, you know, uh, doing something bigger than myself. And I, I, I didn't realize this at the time, but, you know, uh, human beings, at the end of the day, there's three things we, we ultimately want. We want to obviously maintain our, our health, right? Our mental health, our physical health. But the other thing is we want to contribute to something bigger than ourselves. Uh, and then we also want to feel connected, right? I didn't really feel that so much in real life. I got a lot more of that in the gaming world because I was playing at such a high level. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but nobody helped me, you know, connect the dots. And that's why I created this book because the message needs to be said. There's over 3 billion people in the world that have played a game and they need to understand that there is a connection there. Mm, and it's it's a very deep connection and one I really haven't talked much on this show about, but it might surprise my listeners to know that myself included and trainers and nutritionists that I've worked with, most people that are in the health and fitness world game regularly or playing some sort of game regularly. Like my son and I, we play Minecraft for 30 minutes every night before he goes to bed. That's like, nice. that's like our special time. If he has respected his mom and cleaned his, he's five. Okay. So like, this is a, you know, <laughs> making a diamond pickaxe is a big deal. Right. Yeah. But what's really crazy about it is in the daytime when I'm trying to teach him a moral lesson, I'm always bringing up Minecraft. Like, Hey man, when you're in the nether, you could go this way over the lava or you could go this way through the cave. How do you choose which way to go? You know, for him, that's a language he understands and translates to the real world for him in a very practical way. However, you you spoke kind of the dark side of gaming too, which is, you know, you've been somewhere for a while. You're bleary. I'd even talk about this in the book. You're like, I can only live so long on pizza and sitting, like, (laughs) (laughs) which, which is, which is rough. So I will get there in a second, but I guess I want to start with what ultimately inspired you to put pen to paper and write this book. Cause it's one thing to say, Hey, I was a gamer once upon a time. And now I invest in portfolios of business and I have podcasts and I, I help people. You run a marketing firm on one of your branches of your interests. And so you help businesses get better at what they do and, and attract new customers and whatnot. What inspired you to pause from that and say, you know what, I'm going to revisit my gaming days and make that practical to what I'm up to right now. You know, what's funny is the, the whole thing is just leveling up. It, it, it's like the, the, the the book itself, um, you know, I, I didn't realize this until later, but I, I do feel every day like I'm playing World of Warcraft or EverQuest. And so, you know, when I wake up in the morning, so let's say, um, you know, I'll, I'll hop on my Peloton bike, I'll do them, I'll do all the cliches, right? Um, the intermittent fasting, the meditation, right? The journaling, I, I do, you know, sleep optimization, like I, I spent, you know, a good chunk of money on that, right? Um, and so by the time I actually start my day, I, I've got seven buffs, right? So, you know, people cast a spell on you, you get stronger, you get more intellect, you know, you run faster and all that. So I feel like I'm already going, right? Then I just go on with my day. And then I just think of everything as a puzzle. Like, oh, if I'm going to buy this company over here, or if I'm going to try to hire this person over here, how do I incentivize them the right way? How do I think of the best terms for both sides over here? There's like little puzzles to everything. And then the day ends, I'm just tired. I go to bed, but the sleep is a power up too. And then if I'm fortunate enough to wake up the next day, I just go again. And I'm just going to keep going. The game never ends. And so I'm like, okay, maybe there's a message here because nobody has talked about this yet. And yet this esports thing is exploding. So as a marketer, I can jump on this trend. And by the way, you just talked about growing other businesses. Like if you look at the trend, I love learning and I just love growing things. Right. And so, you know, if you, if you strip me to my essence, I'm a learner teacher. If I had nothing, I just would keep learning and I'll just keep teaching to articulate my thoughts. People are like, Eric, why didn't you just write a marketing book? It makes a lot more sense for your businesses. And that's what you're known for. But that's not what's interesting to me because long-term 
I think a message like this, you know, if it affects, you know, a good chunk of people, we're going to build a brand new community. We're going to build a movement around it. And I'm not so interested in the kind of short-term profits. I want this to be, you know, you talked about seven habits of highly effective people. We can think about how to win friends and influence people. How to win friends and influence people has been around for over a hundred years, which means it'll probably be around for another hundred years. It's, it's called the Lindy effect. Um, and so anyway, people say, Hey, look, you know, when you write a book, make sure you have a message, not just to try to make money. Cause if you're optimizing for money, you're not going to make money. So yeah, well said. And you didn't actually mention this in the book, but just over 100 years ago, there was a psychologist named Jean Piaget. And he saw the world we live in, and the development of morality in childhood as a game, and that the better the game, the more everybody wants to play it, and the better the game gets over time. And you can't break the rules of the game or people don't want you to come play anymore, right? And that's how things develop. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's really interesting is what I read in your book was, you know, 100 years later after Jean Piaget, we've all played games, you know, not just like kickball or tag or hide and seek, but we've all played Mario or we've goofed around with Morrowind or we've goofed around with Starcraft or everybody's got Candy Crush or something goofy going on, right? Although given the your gaming experience, I, I think Candy Crush is like a like a sugar version of, of the meat of gaming but anyway so the ethos of leveling up that's the title of the book leveling up how to master the game of life the essence of that is actually very deeply psychological and in some of the elements that you bring to the forefront it's like you identified why gaming is so popular and seems to sit so well with the moral and productive functioning of the developing human mind and you know we could talk about the statistics around how many people are actually involved in gaming regularly especially adolescents especially during a quarantine time um but i sincerely enjoyed that now are you are you familiar with any of that work or does that sound like it just resonates with the core of what you were trying to capture you know there's there's one thing i'm not, not familiar with his work per se but what i would say is you know if, if you think about school in general it's why is it that you know most of the time you know, people fall asleep or they're diagnosed with ADHD. It's because the content is boring, right? But when you make it like a game, it becomes fun and people are engaged. It's the same thing with creating a wonderful culture at, at a company, right? You know, you look at the some of the best companies in the world, you know, the top CEOs in the world obsess over culture. Um, but to get the culture right, you have to get people engaged. And the best way, one of the best ways I know of to keep people engaged is to treat it like a game, right? Yeah. And so I, I think we're kind of saying the same things here, um, but that's what it is. People get bored of things or they're diagnosed, maybe misdiagnosed because stuff is boring. So, <laughs> right. Right, right. And a game is something you can win and something you can get better at, right? Which kind of brings me, I, I have three things in particular that I really like to pull out of the book and get your thoughts on and, and rap about a little bit here. It brings me to the, the first thing I wanted to talk about from the book specifically, which is the noob phase. So for those who don't know gaming, noob, N-E-W-B, means you are brand new and kind of a corollary to that, you suck at the game, period. Like you're very bad at it. You know, I, I played Halo with my, uh, I had a college roommate who was super into Halo. I didn't play much Halo. I wasn't into the, I played a lot more real-time strategy games like StarCraft, mm -hmm. for instance, or I, I really enjoyed the RPGs, the 
Final Fantasy VII and Chrono Cross and, you know, uh, Morrowind. So I go, I, I go to play Halo and I'm the idiot, like in the corner, pointing at the sky, throwing grenades at myself, dying regularly, you know. And if I wanted to hang out with my roommate, I had to figure out how to do this game. Like, <laughs> you know, if, if I wanted to connect with this guy, because he's he was in there, you know, like he was doing his math homework in between rounds. Mm. He was a very smart guy. Like he was crushing it, too. Anyway, that said, the noob phase is terrible. And you have an entire chapter on this. The noob phase is terrible. It's boring. You suck at it. It like regularly hurts. And in the health and fitness world, I talk about this regularly. It's called the alert phase of training. It's where you go work out. Maybe you haven't worked out in a while. Maybe you've never worked out before and you're doing granny stuff, right? Like you're doing stuff that you think, and sorry, if grannies are listening, mm -hmm. no offense, like you got to start somewhere, but you're doing granny stuff and you're like, man, when do I get to lift the heavy weights? When do I get to run fast? When do I get to do this? And it's like, you got to grind. You got to put in the time to get out of the noob phase, right? So can you tell me a little bit about what inspired that chapter and how that is relevant in the world of business that you're frequently in? Yeah, I mean, let's take this back to, to to the gym real quick. I remember when I used to see, um, when I was untrained, I used to see people, you know, able to put up a plate, right? So, you know, 135 pounds, 45, 45. And I was like, I'll never be able to do that. But then it's like, I kept comparing my chapter one to someone else's chapter 25. So I would try to do it. And that's when you start to get injured, right? When you try to fast track your success, it usually doesn't work out. You have to slowly compound it over time. It's just the same, same thing with business too. Most people give up too early, whether they're trying to build an audience on YouTube or TikTok or whatever. Usually it's a two to three year journey to start to build an audience. With business too, it's a two to three year journey. It takes time to compound. And most people give up too easily because they can't take the pain. Um, and so, you know, part of it is, you know, thinking about the new mindset or the apprentice mentality is sure you can have strong opinions, but you know, hold them weekly, right? So when you have new data that's presented to you, you can change your opinion on dying. Most people are just too stubborn. The other thing I'll say too, is when you understand that um, the pain is a prerequisite to success. Like everyone has been through the pain. It's basically seeing if you're going to stick around. Most people are like, oh, you know, I started my podcast. You know, I gave up after three months because, you know, I wasn't getting that many downloads. Well, again, that's the filter right there. And so if you reframe that as, oh, the psychological pain is actually fuel and it's par for the course, then it, it motivates you, right? So for me now, you know, growing up with Asian parents, you know, it's, it's a constant beatdown, right? Um, and then playing a lot of poker, it's a constant beatdown too. You, you learn to be resilient. And so now, you know, let's say I get snubbed for something or, you know, someone's, uh, you know, not saying something nice or whatever. I'm like, that's great. Like, I'm not angry. Just give me more of it, right? Give me more of it. There, there's a character in World of Warcraft. I, I think the, the name is Gruel. The more you hit him, the stronger he gets, right? And so- I think that that reframe is helpful because so many times in life, people are going to criticize us. They're going to say all these things, you know, we're going to get roadblocks. Oh, this business is not good enough. I'm not going to invest in it. It's just like, dude, give me more. Right. And then if there's good insight from the people criticizing, like, oh, okay, that that's great. Cause you know, when I look at feedback, when we're doing like a 360 review, you know, it's for me, I don't look at the praise. I go straight to what do I need to improve at? Right. Mm. And so for me, because that's the gold right there, right? The praise is great. That means, you know, I'm doing something right, but give me more of the negative stuff, right? Give me more stuff to fix. So I get stronger. Give me that. Mm, well said. You got to find the chinks in the armor, right? Yeah. So you actually brought up two concepts that on their face seem contradictory. You said uh, some people are too stubborn. Mm -hmm. You can have strong opinions, but hold them weakly, but also that you have to be resilient. 
And it sounds on their face that those aren't the same thing, but I, I would love to hear your thoughts on how I parse this out. But in my mind, it's you have to be resilient in your resolve to get better at what you're up to, but you have to be open and not too stubborn about how you're going about it. Mm -hmm. Is that the line you also draw? That's correct. So I'll, I'll use an example right here. So the podcast leveling up for the first year, I was doing it. Um, I was spending six hours a week on it while I was trying to save single grain, the ad agency. Um, and after the first year, I was only getting nine downloads a day. So that's about 270 downloads a month. And I kept doing it. After the second year, I was only getting 30 downloads a day. So 900 downloads a month, right? And if you want to talk about resilience, that's resilience right there. Two years is a long time to keep recording a podcast. <laughs> yep. Yep. So really not much movement, right? Um, but the resilience was there. And then, um, you know, we kept going and then we started to iterate more and more. We did grow, right? We did 3X, right? You know, the first year to the second year. But if we stopped, we wouldn't be where we are today, which is about 1.6 million downloads a month. Um, so we kept making iterations. It's like, okay, you know, maybe we should interview people with, you know, larger audiences, tell them to promote it a certain way. Maybe we should, you know, go on to, um, you know, put this onto like a product hunt, which at the time had a podcast section. Um, maybe we should hit our email lists. So we kept adjusting and then we started a new podcast as well. And then it just kept snowballing from there. And so the first year um, I didn't iterate really much at all. Right. But it's, it's really kind of into the second year, we started to think about, okay, something's got to give and, and then maybe we need to give up. But also, um, you know, I also changed my mindset into not thinking so much about the downloads because I was thinking about, okay, the downloads, they're not that good, but I was learning from amazing people and I was selfishly asking questions to help me save my business that I bought. And then the other thing too, was um, I was building these uh, relationships for the long term. So I changed the KPI, the key performance indicator from, you know, focusing on downloads which probably would have caused me to give up a lot sooner, focusing it on the learnings and the relationships. So that's an I, that that's a way of kind of, you know, constantly iterating in my mind and making adjustments while staying resilient the whole time. Mm, I love that. It's the idea of the game within the game, right? Yep. Because you're getting more downloads. I mean, from a podcast perspective, that's a great KPI, you know, like growing your podcast, growing your audience, making an impact onto a group of people who find it meaningful and then recommend it to a friend, you know, that sort of thing. That's a great KPI. But the bigger game, the game that kind of umbrellas that smaller download game is what am I learning here? How am I getting better? What kind of meaningful conversations are occurring because of this game that I'm playing? And I think in my mind, that's a powerful part of the noob phase is to keep your eyes on the bigger prize, right? Because in your health and fitness journey, when you're an untrained individual, let's say you're trying to grow some muscle and lose some fat, you're not going to see like amazing results in four weeks. Just not going to happen that way. Your, your body's like trying to get on board with everything. Your brain's trying to get on board with everything. If you don't stick that out, if you don't say, hey, I can walk a little farther than I used to. I can do moves I never could before. I've cleaned up my breakfast. You know, <laughs> I'm getting more sleep. I'm feeling better. Even if the number on the scale is not moving yet, having that big picture mindset around the game within the game is a very powerful part of overcoming the noob phase. Do you have any other thoughts or, or comments that you'd like to make around enduring the noob phase and making the most of it? So I think, you know, it's, it's understanding that the struggle is necessary and that, um, you know, I, I think now I understand, like I mentioned earlier, that, you know, all good things take about two to three years to get working well, uh, but also like really good things usually take decades. So I think it's, it's having short-term urgency and, and, you know, working really well, but understanding that, you know, if you keep compounding and you stick with it, you're working smart, you know, you're going to get there, right? Again, it's, it's most people are most people because they give up too easily and they haven't, uh, leveled up the resolve yet or the resilience yet to um, be able to to take the pain, right? I think the new mindset causes you to think about, hey, like, 
I'm never really as bad as they say I am, but I'm also not really as good as they say I am too. So it's, it's like, nothing's too good. Nothing's too bad. You're just kind of even keel. It kind of is what it is. And you just keep working. And by the way, games have an end to it. It's a zero sum games for, for the most part, right? Like, you know, football at the end, like, you know, Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl, right? There's only one winner. Um, I think what's important for people to understand is that life in general, if you look at it as an infinite game that doesn't end, and you're just trying to get 1%, you're leveling up 1% better every single day, right? Um, that's what it is that makes it fun because you learn to play long-term games, right? If you learn to play kind of a finite games, you're going to think more short-term thinking and you're going to optimize the wrong way. This is why studying the best investors in the world, look at them, Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway, and Charlie Munger, right? They buy businesses and for the most part, they hold them, right? It's just a lot of investing in life. You know, you kind of just sit there, right? You, you think about the long-term, you sit there and then um, you make some big decisions every now and then, and then that's life. And then you have to be willing to ride those out, right? And and adjust yeah. as needed. So uh, one of the things you said in there, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, is in the gaming world, things happen really quickly and they're much shorter term. Like very few games are like, you have to play this game for literal years before you can reach the summit or pinnacle. And, and there are some very complicated games that require a lot of practice and are, are very dynamic, right? That that's That's a different story altogether. But life as a game ends when you die, theoretically right? <laughs> so it keeps going. The time frame is, is much larger. And so understanding that the next level is something that you construct for yourself. And that was one of the things I loved about the way you wrote this book, by the way, is you had kind of a nice pathway among levels. You can't see me as a listener. I'm, I'm like holding an imaginary book in my hand with the cover open. And there was a pathway between chapters as these medallions or, or levels that you achieve by, by walking through the book, which I thought was very well done, by the way. Thanks. And in life, you don't get that like I didn't wake up this morning and, you know, my app was launched. We, we just launched an app in the Apple store, but there wasn't like, you know, confetti and, and a quick like level up screen, like da, 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 and like I got all these, you know, buffs yeah. And, yeah. and increases to attributes. It doesn't happen. But but if if you as a person understand your life as a long term game in that respect. And you make a point to identify, you know, coming out of the noob phase, for instance, hey, man, I've graduated. I don't suck at this anymore. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of yep. stepping out of the space of noobness. That's pretty powerful. Have you done stuff like that in your own life to distinguish those phases of leveling? Yeah, I mean, you know, the beautiful thing about the Peloton is that there's actually badges in there. So, yes. you know, it's <laughs> that, that's constant reinforcement every day. What I will say is, you know, when I think about, uh, yeah, I mean, the other thing is I have a meditation app too. So yeah, there's a badge in there too. You know, for me in my head, I kind of have, you know, when I journal in the morning, there's a streak, right? If you don't fill it out, obviously it's like, oh, you missed something. So I kind of have it all. It's it's kind of all being tracked. I actually haven't thought about this, but even with my sleep optimization, like my scores, that's all being tracked too, right? Mm. Um, so it just depends on how neurotic you want to get about it. But um, yeah, I hadn't actually thought about it until now that I realized, yeah, a lot of it's being tracked. Well, and then like if companies like Fitbit and Garmin did this with activity, yep. I, I had clients like eight years ago who would be up at 11 p.m. walking around the parking lot of their apartment complex just to get their trophy for their steps in a day, yep. you know, and it like. Like that was real. Like that, they're like, no, I got to get my trophy. You know, like they're yeah. telling their spouse, you can watch this without me. I got to go get my steps in the dark. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
But when that drive inside of us human beings, when we have something that we want to win is so powerful and that's required to get through the new phase as far as I'm concerned. If you don't know what game you're playing and you don't know what you're trying to win and you focus on the wrong thing, you're not going to make it through the new phase. It's just too hard. And by the way, like the whole concept of there's only 15 power-ups and leveling up, but the whole idea is you're just going around in life collecting power-ups. You're understanding different, you're picking up different habits and you're reinforcing them. You're picking up different mental models as well, you know, and I'm happy to talk about yeah. that but um that, that that's what it is it, it's there's much more than beyond 15 and if you keep using a sword over and over you're gonna have to repair it or you're gonna have to go get a new one right so i forgot what the stat was but uh, i don't know how true this is but you know after high school just the, the percentage of people that actually read a book is like really low M- maybe it's like 10 percent, 15 percent of people it's bad right um so people kind of stop leveling up and then they wonder why they're not um getting the results that they want right it doesn't mean you need to go start an amazing business if like if you don't want that that's fine right you just got to figure out what you want first and you got to go defeat the levels to get there right because you don't deserve to go to the next level until you're you beat the current one mm, well said and, and that's that's applicable in health and fitness that's applicable in relationships that's applicable in the business world i mean here on the defining dad bod podcast we talk about fatherhood and parenthood pretty regularly and mm. gosh you want to talk about having to level up like our kids are leveling up whether we like it or not yeah we got to level up with them or they're going to leave us behind <laughs> yeah yeah and, and that's you know in my mind you know i don't have have kids yet but when i have kids i'm just like yeah you know i want them to be better to me i'm going to level them up past me that's the that's, goal that's the goal right you've heard the phrase standing on the shoulders of giants like i want to be a giant that's what we're doing to to let them stand up there you know <laughs> okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If they outgrow me, that's not helpful. They can just stand on their own. So that actually brings me then to the, in, in my opinion... And, and I mean, there are a lot of powerful concepts in this book. In my opinion, something that's spoke to me in my journey and, and something that we speak about a lot here on the show. In fact, it's it's a part of the intro. My son in the intro of the show says, who knows who you could be if you could become 1% better every single day. And when your publicist gal reached out and was like, hey, I believe Eric would be a great guest on your podcast. I opened your book. I, I read through it. And I came, I think it was page somewhere in the 130s or so. I saw the graph of the power of 1% better. And I was like, we have to talk because this is like the guiding principle for literally everything that I do with health and fitness clients and our audience and our um, just our philosophy for what we do around here. And in this graph, basically, it's a line at one. I hope you can picture a graph. There's a line at one. Um, and for you math nerds out there, that's called an asymptote. <laughs> an asymptote means you never touch this line, right? So you start at one. What happens if you degrade 1% every single day? Well, there's a there's a very slow and steady drop to zero over time. But what happens if you progress 1% every single day? And what happens is it's actually a parabolic effect, meaning that the line starts 
and then it, it like curves up almost like uh, what happens when a skateboarder hits a half pipe. The trajectory continues up and it's almost an upward arrow toward the end of it. And the idea is like, look, if you become 1% better every single day, who knows what you can do? What, who knows what the top level is? Who knows what games you'll be playing when you hit that place? And it was relatively early on in the book, probably five or six chapters in. But that concept in and of itself is, man, if, if, if the world just could grab onto that and if our generation of gamers and, and non-gamers and parents could just grab onto that and, and approach every day that way, uh, we can't even imagine what would happen. So what inspired that chapter for you? Because I know where this came from for me, but I'm, I'm very curious where it came from for you. I think it's, you know, when I look at my my, my background, it's um, actually one of my friends said this. He's like, your rate of learning is like, it, it basically is parabolic. Like, it's just like you suck, you suck, you suck. And all of a sudden you just take off. Right. And he said this to me probably in my mid teens. And, you know, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but that's basically been my entire life. It's just I stick with things longer. Um, and the things that I keep jumping around on, I never really get that good. I never become that world class at it. So I think it's important for people to understand this because um, especially the, the people that are kind of in their teens or, or early 20s, um, because a big chunk of this book is basically how to think. And we're not taught how to think in school for the most part, right? And just going back, at least in the United States, thinking about history, this country was founded by entrepreneurs. And so what's happening now is, you know, you have kind of um, the teachers, they go through a process, but they don't they're, they're forced to go through a curriculum, but they don't teach people how to think. They don't teach people resilience. We're not taught anything about taxes, how to manage our finances, all that type of stuff. That is very real life stuff. Uh, and we're kind of left to fend for ourselves later, right? But if we just give them a little taste of it, right? Hey, this one concept over here, we're going to plant the seed for you. You just got to get 1% better every single day. And again, if you think in decades, you're for sure going to get there and forget about comparing yourself to someone else. You just got to work on you. It's you versus you every single day. And you're just going to keep playing the game. Every single day is a gift, right? Make the most of it. And um, yeah, enjoy the game while it lasts. Mm. You mentioned something in there about like our education system, not teaching. Uh, and, you know, obviously, uh, many of our listeners are parents. What's interesting is there's a divide between how we expect our kids to perform in school versus how we expect them to perform in life. And one of the things I, I love about this book is it takes that thing that a lot of kids are involved in gaming, and it takes that concept and, and shows how it applies to everything. Like if you take the same ethos that brings you back to the game every time, I mean, it's it's an addicting thing. It's an addicting thing to get better at things. And if you can take that same ethos and apply it to your health and apply it to relationships and apply it to schoolwork and apply it to business, if you can take that same ethos and apply it in those different places, then 1% betterment is almost guaranteed because you're going to consistently come back to it. And what are you going to do? Get worse every time you do it? That's not how we work. Like mm -hmm. very few and far between, unless you're overtraining, like you said before, like unless you, yep. unless you're 1% better is like, I haven't worked out in a while. Let's do a five hour CrossFit challenge. Like, yeah, it's not going to play out well for you. Right. Um, yep. But in my mind, it's very timely. It's a very timely message that the 1% betterment can come not just from the ethos of gaming, but that this really is the way forward. Like we have to get better with business. We have to get better in politics. We have to get better in social media. We have to get better in conversations like this. We have to be able to do that. And if we can't, then why would we play the game at all? That's why it's addicting. That's why we keep waking up in the morning. So from that perspective, are you in the new phase anywhere, Eric? I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, so for me, I mean, like I don't have kids right now. Right. So it's, I think that would, that I'd be a complete noob at that. I think it'll be a fun journey, but I don't, I wouldn't know what to do. I think there's a lot of studying to be done there. Um, 
I think I would say, relatively speaking, um, if, if I look at a lot of my channels, you know, podcasting, great, you know, um, when I look at, you know, our SEO traffic, that's great. But, you know, our YouTube channel isn't as strong as I'd like it to be, right? We're at 54,000 subscribers or so. I think I'm, you know, we're not as strong as we'd like to be in terms of creativity, right? Like our, you know, short videos, Instagram reels, TikToks, this is all marketing related. But I would also say too, like, you know, I would like to, um, I would say I'm a noob at raising, you know, lots of money, right? Let's say it's like over a hundred million dollars or something like that. Like that would be new. I would also be new to having a board of advisors because I own the majority of stake. Um, in some cases, a hundred percent of a lot of stuff that we do. Um, so, I mean, those are just a couple of things that come to mind. I would be a noob at kite surfing, right? I would want to try it, but I know I get destroyed. Um, I know I get destroyed. So, I love it. And what compels you then to take a step? And I'm not asking necessarily because I want you to share your life story unless you care to. But for listeners who are thinking, you know what, like there's something I know I need to do. There's a book called The Obstacle is the Way. Yeah. It's something I know I need to do. I'm kind of scared to do it, but I know that's yeah. the thing. It's it's literally in my mind right now. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to suck at kite surfing. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to do that. Um, what's your impetus for taking yeah. that step? I think it's running towards the pain. So like an example of this would be with uh, single growing the ad agency. So, you know, I was leading marketing at a, at a tech startup and um, I was um, one of the co-founders asked me to come into the company and um, I was not interested initially because I wasn't interested in a services type of business. And um, I was like, you know, I come from tech and then I reframed. It. I was like, look, this company is failing right now. And they're, they're tasking me with, with coming because I, I helped turn the tech startup around and we had a great product. We had a great vision, great team. But this one was completely different. This one was the original um, service was no longer working, which means the people, we might have to change everything around there too. So this was a complete turnaround, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, you know, if I can fly this plane that's going down while changing the engine and turn it around, I think I can do anything. And so it was the ultimate challenge to me. So initially I wasn't interested. And then I was like, whoa, I, I think I can make something of this. And so it's the challenge of making myself better and, and taking that leap. And, um, you know, by the way, six months into it, the four partners want out and I was able to buy the company for the $2. But I actually, after I took it over, um, I actually made it go from bad to worse and we dropped all the way down to one employee. So, you know, the plane was very close to hitting the ground. My outside accounting firm called me and said, Hey, it might be time to shut it down. Um, and I was, I, I actually had said yes to it, to, to a job offer that was, was, was well-paying, but, um, I was just like, I can't do it. So slowly we turned the ship around, but, um, you only get so many of those opportunities, um, I like to say the opportunity of a lifetime comes every single year, but there's only so few that you can kind of take it and and, and shortcut your success. And I thought this was one of those. So I I think it's really important for people to, you know, if people are all going one way, if you can think about it in a different direction, you know, people call it contrarian thinking. Um, I I think that's what it is. So that's an example of uh, running towards a challenge. I I love that. And while you were talking, I actually expected you to be making the gaming references here, but maybe I'm just nostalgic. It reminded me of playing StarCraft. And so for those who don't know StarCraft, like StarCraft is a real-time strategy game where it's aliens versus humans versus other aliens. And Mm -hmm. well, anyway, it's a party. But what's interesting about that game is no matter what you're doing, your opponent is always also doing something to come try to destroy you. That's how the game works. And within the span of, you know, 20 to 40 minutes you can have a world war game inside of the game like if if your opponent has amassed a giant army you're not going to get far running from it eventually they're just going to take you over like you're going to have to deal with it at some point right and and who can deal with the other person's army the most intelligently generally comes out on top but what you said running toward the pain and i think that's a really powerful mantra or background verbiage for somebody to have in their mind when they're dealing with we talked about the new phase, but when we're dealing with that scenario, when the plane's about to hit the ground and you're like, ah, like 
well, <laughs> I'll take this on. There's something to be said about knowing when to pull out, but I'm going to take this on because I, I believe that uh, this is the right thing for me to do right now, even though it's hard. It's a test of resilience. I mean, you know, in life or even in, in, in business, it's it's how resilient are you? And and it's these people are just human beings at the end of the day, right? You know, you, you, you want the ultimate test of resilience. I mean, Elon Musk, right? Uh, didn't need to do what he with SpaceX and, and, and Tesla. Didn't need to plow all his proceeds from PayPal into that. And look at him now. And by the way, he played a lot of games. But I want to go back to StarCraft for a second because before we started recording, um, you know, look, StarCraft is a perfect example of, of what life is. It's resource management. It's resource allocation. If you expand too quickly, you're leaving yourself wide open um, to attack. Um, if you gamble and you overcommit, um, you're leaving yourself open as well. And, and so it, it's it's constantly thinking about, okay, what, what life is, it's, it's balanced across the board. Because if you overcommit and you're not nimble, um, then, you know, everything can fall apart. And this is why, you know, the, the CEO of Shopify, he will hire pro StarCraft players because they understand resource management and resource allocation. He said this himself. And they actually have a pro StarCraft team as well now. Oh, nice. <laughs> Don't mess with Shopify's pro StarCraft team. <laughs> get crushed yeah their click per minute ratios through the roof <laughs> all right enough nerd talk there um so i appreciate that concept the one percent better daily it's an ethos that you can lean on it's one that's always true which is a very difficult thing to find it's one that you can always commit to and as you said earlier commit to getting your buffs so that your one percent better can actually occur today but that brings me then to the final thing i wanted to talk to you about through the book and that is budgeting your worry So there is a very interesting concept that you bring out, which is like, look, in the age of information, when there's a lot of things coming at you, and you use games as a you know, trigger point or springboard for this concept. In the age of information, when so many things are coming at you, the world's really big, and you're really small. And there's only so much of you that you can direct to different things. So part of your journey is understanding what's worth worrying about and budgeting that intelligently. Right. So like uh, an example would be we just went through an election cycle here in the U.S. And if you have big business items that you're really trying to move on, but in between business meetings, you're scrolling through Twitter and like watching these arguments happen. And you're like, oh, man, I got to do this. How much of your bandwidth has been eaten up because you're worrying about things that perhaps you don't have any control over and that aren't really part of your immediate growth or process, right? And I could say this from a health and fitness perspective too, since that's a little more my purview than political. I'll help my clients. It's like, look, you could take a food journal and you could do the exercise thing. And they come to me with questions like, what brand of fish oil should I take? And should I be taking this pre-workout and stuff? And it's like, hey, you know what we could really do is focus on getting a little bit of cardiovascular exercise every day. And we can focus on eating less sugar. Let's focus on those two things. Let's budget our worry on those two things. And what's powerful is if you actually do that, you get results, regardless of what brand of fish oil you're taking or, or whether or not you're taking the right pre-workout or whether or not you're you're lifting just the right amount of weight. And, and I don't want to, you know, there are certain levels where those sorts of adaptations really matter, but budgeting your worry is a very powerful part of progress. So what inspired that chapter for you? And uh, how does that play out in your day to day? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it all comes down to prioritization at the end of the day. It's um, I think a lot of times it's, you know, people just, um, you know, I, I talked about the concept of player characters versus non-player characters. And I, I think a lot of people in life are just kind of walk around and not, as non-player characters, meaning that 
you know, in a game like a Diablo, a player character is a, is a character that you or I control. Um, and we can walk around. We have a lot more options, uh, optionality in terms of what we can do. The non-player characters are the computers. They kind of just, they're static. They stand around. They don't change, right? Things go on over time. They're just the same. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the ones that are constantly prioritizing, they're thinking about, okay, what are the, you know, the, the one, the three most important things I can do in a day. I'm going to focus on those things. I'm going to focus on, to your point, what can I control? And, you know, not worry about what I can't, because if you start to be concerned about over all these things that are out of your control, um, you budget a big piece of your, your mind, right. Where you could actually be using that towards impacting the world. Um, and so that's not good resource allocation right there. We just talked about Starcraft. Um, and so, you know, thinking about, okay, how do I filter the information that that's coming in? Because the information that we're taking in does guide our actions. It guides how we think about things. Um, so who should I be following on Twitter? Should I be following, um, you know, really smart people, people that are trying to change the world? Um, or should I be following, you know, um, all these news tw- Twitter accounts? Um, and by the way, again, the information that, that you're taking in is going to shape your worldview. And so, you know, every single day, just figure again, prioritizing the night before, what are the top one to three things I need to do, filtering the information that you're taking in and, uh, con- you know, buffing yourself in the morning, controlling what you can control and not worrying about the rest. Because in the grand scheme of things, the, the kind of uh, reframe here is understanding that, you know, we're, we've been around for billions and billions of years, right? The, the earth. And in the grand scheme of things, you are not even a speck. You're nothing, right? And so I don't want to make people feel bad, but like it is what it is, right? And so, um, you know, we're here for a short time and, you know, enjoy what we can and, and make an impact. But understanding that even the biggest legends in the world, you know, that we know of, like the Steve Jobs, you know, um, and, you know, even the, the late Tony Shea, um, are we still going to know who they are in a thousand years, 2000 years? Like even that 2000 years is not much, right? So in this grand scheme of things, there's not much to worry about. Only worry about what you can control. And then, um, yeah, just think of it as a little program that you're optimizing, right? You don't want the, like, if, if you have like a, like a water bottle over here, you don't want to fill up with worry. You want to, you know, you only want to be concerned about the things that you can control because if it overflows with worry that your mind's not optimized and then you just, you know, become like a mindless drone. Mm, well said. This is actually one of the reasons that we took our Betterment community off of social media into our own private virtual space because social media say what you want with it it's a powerful place for connection it's a powerful place for uh you know knowing what's up with the people in your circle kind of thing it's also a great place to share pictures of your kids and Mm -hmm. and adventures and whatnot which is a party but it's very distracting and and you know from a gamer's perspective if if i could you know have everybody visualize that there's a life bar of willpower over your brain at the beginning of every day like you have this much willpower this is the amount of control you have in your world and every time you do something difficult every time you do something stressful it depletes as the day goes on and that's not just a gamer's analogy that's something we're finding psychologically speaking is that willpower significantly decreases over the day that's why people don't eat ice cream first thing in the morning you know when you cave on your dietary recommendations it's not like 9 a.m like oh man i need this ice cream i can't say no it's 9 p.m after a long day and getting your kids to bed and like you're rough and you're hungry and your workout was tough and the show you're watching is stressful and you're like I'm eating ice cream man like I've got I've got no more willpower where is the ice cream <laughs> and that entire chapter of, of budgeting your worry yep. I hadn't made the connection in my mind to the NPC the non-playable character versus the hero and the call in the entire chapter was like look this is the key to being the hero this is the key to becoming a hero is if you can take your bandwidth your willpower in a day and focus it on the things that matter to you as a opposed to the things that you don't really have a hand in and and can't, then you can actually 
affect your sphere of influence as opposed to being driven by your sphere of influence. And in psychology, that's the difference between agency, which is I have a part to play in the things in my world versus subjectivity, which is things happen to me, like things tell me what to do, um, agency versus subjectivity. And so I thought it was a deep chapter and I I appreciated that. Um, Is there any uh, pro tips or pieces out of the book or maybe behind the book that you'd like to share for how people can better budget their worries or or things that you have found really helpful? Yeah, I I think it's just, um, I I think the the things I talked about, right, you know, the the one to three things that most important things and you just worry about knocking those out to your point the willpower you start strong and during the day and you just you deplete it right there and then you know you've already had a good day and everything else you know after is just kind of icing on the cake but yeah getting the tough things out of the way like you know it's still tough for me to sit alone with my thoughts for even 10 to 30 minutes i'm just meditating right sometimes if i go like on a 90 minute peloton i like i'm on a stationary bike for 90 minutes right like that's kind of a pain in the butt butt. you know things like that but it's it's just um, the bruise on my sit bones here (laughs) yeah no that's why you have to like stand all the time you know out of the saddle but uh yeah that's what i say and the one thing i did want to draw out uh, you're very practical in the book there's a place where you actually share a lot of the applications that you recommend for parsing your time well i get the sense that and tell me if i'm wrong i get the sense that this none of this came natural to you the natural part was the wanting to get better which is in the gaming phase of your life as you say but you've found a way to use uh, several applications to help you get better in the places you're weak. So one of the things you talked about was, uh, I want to say it's Pomodoro. Is that right? Yeah. It's, it's an application mm-hmm. that helps you to block your time in uh, 25 minute segments for deep work, which is a concept that's you know now blossoming in the realm of psychology and business. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the applications that you use? You mentioned uh, meditation app, you mentioned Peloton gives you badges. Uh, I'd love to hear about those. Yeah, I mean, you know, some things that really help me. Um, so I'm trying to, you know, go for the the things are are not super expensive. I, I have a silk sleep mask. It's it's if you go to Amazon, type in slip. It's S L I P. It's fifty dollars, but it's great. I mean, you know, I never thought I'd use a sleep mask. Um, one big that, thing that helps me when I go to bed. This might seem counterintuitive, but we all use our mouth to breathe when we go to bed. Um, and so I, I put tape over my mouth. You can buy sleep tape on Amazon or whatever, but it increases my REM sleep by about thirty minutes. That's cool. And I, I don't have to wake up to use the restroom anymore at night. Um, and I don't need to drink a lot of water, right? So you wake up dehydrated and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are kind of, you know, real world things, but, uh, Pomodoro app, you mentioned, you know, that's, that's something that helps me block out time. Um, what I would say too, is, you know, we, we use project management tools. It actually doesn't matter what you use. We just use Asana as a team. Um, and what I would say is super helpful for me, for me is my note-taking app is called Rome Research. So it's R-O-A-M. And it allows me to link all my thoughts together. So if I'm reading a book um, and it's about philosophy, I can tag philosophy. And all the philosophy books I read will all be linked together. And then I can actually come up with you know more well-thought-out you know, tweets or you know LinkedIn posts, right? Um, it's basically a second brain for me. Um, there's actually a program called Second Brain. And um, you know, if, if I think about desktop apps, um, I mean, that would probably be one of the big ones. But um, other than that, I'm just staring at my desktop right now. Loom helps me a lot. I mean, to be able to explain things very quickly, this is more of like a, a business use, but um, i trying to think what, oh, this, this helps make me productive. There's a tool on, on Mac called Alfred. And it basically allows me to become like a Jedi because I can just, you know, open apps very quickly, open documents, slide them over very, very quickly. So those are just a couple of things. I can just go on and on about tools all day. I love it. Alfred, as in like Batman's sidekick, chauffeur, uh, butler. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's awesome. I I want Alfred just to feel like Batman, honestly. Yep. You certainly do. It'll make you feel that way. (laughs) 
So we've had quite the conversation. We have talked about video games in their relationship to succeeding in life, 1% better every day, budgeting your work, getting over the nude phase. And there's a lot more in this book worth talking about, but this is really you know, what we have time for rapping about. I wanted to point out one thing and then and give you uh, the last word. I thought it was really powerful in your conversation about gaming and how it applies in life or how these concepts can apply as buffers or, or levels up in life. And I was struck that somebody with a gaming background was pretty gung-ho about making sure people eat well and exercise. And I mean, obviously that's what I do. That's I'm like, I'm like reading the book and I'm like, ha gamer who gets it? Because I'll never forget, you know, my college roommate that I talked about a little bit. I'll never forget walking into the room one time. It was after daylight savings time and he didn't flip it. He didn't flip the clock so that, you know, he'd look at the clock and get worried, but he had an extra hour. So that meant he could get ready for class and stuff. And there were like pizza boxes around and empty Mountain Dew bottles and stuff. And I remember walking in there and being like, ugh. Yeah. Like, how can you, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> and, yep. and about, uh, about three weeks of that sort of thing, this was shortly after a new expansion for World of Warcraft came up uh, about three weeks after that, he kind of emerged from the cave, like a, you know, Mountain Dew addicted pizza Cyclops. And he's like, I got to go to the gym. Like, <laughs> like I got to, like, I got to get it. Uh, like, I'm only drinking water, no more soda. I got to eat real food, no more pizza, you know? And there was a certain point, I guess, where he just realized that that mattered and he, he would feel better. And he would, even in his game, he would function better if his mind and body were fed well and moving. When did that happen for you? Because I got the sense in your early gaming days that that wasn't always a priority. And I'd love to know where the switch flipped that was like, hey, dude, work out and eat well. It's good for you. Yeah, I don't think I really started working out um, probably until I was 19 or 20 years old. So I started playing World of Warcraft when I was 18, I think. And then, yeah, this is kind of around the same time, too. Uh, So I was like, yeah, too much. Wow. I think I got to work out. So um, but but I I would just say I I think it's important to to understand and you know better than anybody here. It's just your body is a machine and it needs to be optimized. You have to keep feeding it the the, the right fuels. Um, Otherwise, you know, you feel the bad fuel, then, you know, you're going to perform poorly for your family, your friends, or, you know, in in whatever you're doing. So, Mm, yeah, I envisioned someday, you know, like a little, I don't know, some kind of smart sensor you could apply to a, a phone and then have an avatar in an application that would allow you to be like bells and whistles when you reached a new level, because, you know, in your life, let's say you eat a good breakfast and you get enough sleep and you, I don't know, go for a run and your muscles grow like a, a quarter of an inch. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, nobody's like, ah, level 13. Nice job. Yeah. Like, wow, like, this is great. Keep yeah. up the good work, you know? And, and, but that's really what it's like. There's just no fanfare, right? There's no, there's no background. I, I think we'll get there eventually, yeah. you know, it's, it's, you know, with the way technology is going. So I, I think we're going to be able to see badges and things like that. So it'll be cool. It, it'll, yeah. it'll be very cool. It'll be a lot of fun to figure out what's worth like celebrating. Like what's the, yeah. what's the 1% better, you know, uh, should, should you get more levels for quitting sugar or more levels for curbing your caffeine intake? Um, yeah. But uh, any, anyway, that said, I appreciated that from you. So from a fitness guy to a investor, author, past gamer guy, thank you for that. Keep that up. Like keep inspiring the world. To, <laughs> Appreciate that. You know, take care of their bodies while they, they learn to be better gamers and stuff. That's awesome. Um, I, I do want to say for my listeners here, if you are somebody involved in business uh, and whatnot, but maybe have a past in gaming, you'll appreciate this. 
Like you really will appreciate this. It's it's a lot of fun. I, I reminisced a lot through the book. So thank you very much for that. I, I was like, wow, like this is kind of a cool walk down all the goodness of memory lane. <laughs> um, Thanks for reading it. Yeah. But at the same time, though, I, I do want to say if you have kids who game, who game regularly, maybe they're super into, oh, dang, what are the kids playing today? Fortnite, League of Legends. Fortnite, thank you. Yeah. Yes, yes, Fortnite. There you go. That's, or at least that's popular around here. If your kid is really into this stuff, this is an interesting book. Now, I wouldn't say necessarily for your kiddo. Maybe at some point they'll appreciate it depending on how old they are. But for you to be able to speak the language of gaming in a way that's practical and applicable to what they're experiencing on a regular basis, I just found that to be pretty powerful because it's very rare that you can speak the language of gaming unless you have played the game a lot. Mm-hmm. And your book was kind of a, I thought of it kind of like a starter I don't know, you know, Spanish 101, it's like gaming 101, like Mm -hmm. all the things that a a parent who's successful at their business and successful in their work and stuff, and they're looking at their kid going, I don't know, man, that might be too much time spent playing video games. How do you relate? How do you speak that language in a way that translates? I thought your book did a really good job of that. So I appreciated that. I thought it was really cool. I I work with middle schoolers out in, in church and whatnot. So I felt a little more equipped to articulate some of the things I care to get across to them. So thank you for that. That was great. Appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, you know, ultimately at, at the end of the day, it's it's probably geared towards the gamers that are, you know, 13 plus or, you know, at least middle school plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the parents. I, I, I think for anybody that, you know, isn't even a parent or, or like a gamer, I, I think it's also understanding that like this is kind of how life works. It's just a game and it's just puzzles to solve every single day. So, um, but yeah, it, it truly resonates with the gamers and the, the, the parents of the gamers. So mm, I would have enjoyed it in high school. Like I would have enjoyed it very much in high school. Uh, There there are books that I read in college that connected with me like this, but Mm -hmm. they didn't connect on the on the gaming level. So um, I've got the link in the show notes below for those who want to pick this thing up. It's pretty cool throughout the thing. You actually do a really good job of integrating that with your online stuff. Like they unlock certain power ups for completing chapters and whatnot, and they can get additional content messages and stuff. So I thought that was a cool way to kind of unite the online and the book realm. And you also do a really cool job of bringing in so many different voices uh, from the business, the marketing world, the Zig Ziglar's of the world, for instance, like in um, you you do a great job of putting them in a place so that maybe somebody's not going to read all 27,000 books that were required to to put all those things together. But, but this one's got some of the really goodness of, of the others. So it's, it's a great book. I'd I'd highly recommend it to my listeners. I enjoyed it very much and I'll be, well, my son's five. So he goes, can I read that book, dad? And I was like, well, you could, but it has 267 pages. And he goes, oh, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) I love that. Not quite. Uh, But I sincerely appreciate it. I I like to give my guests the last word. If people don't hear anything else from you today, uh, what would you like them to hear as they walk away from our conversation? I think it's, you know, two words would be be patient. That's one. Uh, The other thing is, you you kind of mentioned this, the book is really a, a, it's a remix of a lot of things that I, that I've enjoyed and picked up in, in life. And, you know, when you think about Apple, they stole the mouse from Xerox they stole the, the GUI, the graphical user interface from Xerox. And Steve Jobs himself has said everything in life is a remix. Um, you look at what Elon Musk did with SpaceX. I mean, the rockets look fundamentally, it's the same base design as what we've seen in the, the 60s, right? But the big difference is they can come back to Earth. Um, so we're all iterating. And I think there's a lot of pressure to have to be original or unique. When at the end of the day, you mentioned earlier, we're just standing on the shoulder of, of, of Titans and we're building on top of each other. And we're just constantly iterating. And that's part of leveling up too. You don't need to be completely um, original. So there's a lot of pressure to do that. I'm just saying, look, you know, 
Great things take a lot of time and um, don't stress, don't need to be, you know, completely original, just even 10 to 30% iteration of something is is original. And uh, yeah, you know, I think we're going to drop a lot of other stuff on, on levelingup.com. So it was a whole game to get that domain as well. But uh, yeah, that's what I would say. Awesome. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your message. I think it really resonates with uh, the ethos of what we do around here. And I really enjoyed your book. Uh, thank you so much for coming on Defining Dad Bod. Thanks for having me. This was fun. And to my listeners, this has been Alex Van Houten with Defining Dad Bod. Until next time, guys, kick butt, take names. The free practical advice and conversations here remain unbought and unbiased thanks to the support of Better Daily. If this episode has been helpful to you, share it with someone in your life who you know it will benefit. Then subscribe to the podcast and leave us a raving review to tell others what value Defining Dad Bod has brought to your health and fitness journey. Finally, if you're struggling for betterment, don't do it alone. We all have a cross to carry, and it's lighter when we do it together. Go to definingdadbod.com slash better daily to get supported, challenged, and inspired to take yourself to the next level. Who knows who we could be if we could become 1% better every single day. Go to definingdadbod.com slash better daily today. That's definingdadbod.com slash better daily.